you also want to learn how to recognize the voice of the ego and make sure you don't just listen to its stories. And so one practice that's really easy that I love, I call source your beliefs. And what you'll do is you write out some major categories of your life. So for example, what it means to be a working woman or what it means to be a mother or a working mother or what it means to be successful. And then you just, we're going to, you're going to fill in the sentence, what my mom said about, for example, being a working woman, what my dad said about being a working woman, what society says about being a working woman. And you write out the beliefs and you might include, um, you know, if there was a mentor or a teacher that who really influenced you or other figures in your life, maybe you have adoptive parents or whatever. You know, you just list out their beliefs about that particular category. And it's fascinating because once you write it down on paper, you might see how ludicrous some of the beliefs are. And when you really look at them on paper, you get to ask yourself, huh, how do I feel in my body when I hold this belief? Hello, hello, and jema, jema yomis. It is Raquel and welcome to Your Own Magic, a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And as usual, the sponsors that you may hear today and their special offers will be linked in the show notes along with ways to connect with the Your Own Magic community like the expansive Facebook group. And yeah, I just have to say something that's really exciting, some announcements. So, you know, take out your phone if you'd like and make a little note to check out my new shop, Eyes of Aspen, which will be launching Saturday the 22nd, the day before Scorpio season begins, and expect it to be up around noon 30 mountain time. And I'm excited to be selling amazing artists and artisans jewelry along with trinkets like crystal grids and cleansing ritual kits and candles, bath bombs, and more. You'll see. You'll see. There's a variety of things. So if you're interested in potentially purchasing something or you're just curious and would like to just check it out, feel free to visit eyesofaspen.com. And in big news, happy fifth birthday to this podcast, Euro Magic. I've been so focused on launching Your Own Magic that I completely spaced dedicating a special episode to the podcast. So perhaps I'll have to record a short bonus episode and post it Saturday. It's just, it's awesome that Eyes of Aspen and Your Own Magic will now celebrate their birthdays the same week-ish. But it's even more awesome. It's even more amazing. It's even more beautiful that this podcast has been able to live on for five years. Thanks to you, obviously. Thanks to the listeners, the dedicated listeners who have been there with me through the trenches and also through the highs and this has been a beautiful creative outlet for myself and I am so honored that it's inspired a variety of creative outlets for listeners for those who are unleashing their own magic I hope that this podcast in some way shape or form has helped you unleash your own magic I just could not be more thankful so thank you for a magical five years (laughs) And I'm also gathering names to get an idea of how many people might want to attend the 2023 Your Own Magic Retreat. So if you're interested, feel free to fill out the very short application on the Your Own Magic website at yourownmagicpodcast.com slash retreat, or you can click the link in the show notes. I'll have more information on the retreat and who is also co-hosting it with me very soon. So I hope to be connecting with many of you next year in person. And thank you to everyone who has expressed interest as well. I'm looking forward to connecting with you next year, 2023. It's going to be exciting. And I'm also excited to share this episode with today's special guest, Vanessa Loader. 
and Vanessa is a woman's career leadership expert, writer, TEDx speaker, and she's the author of The Soul Solution, a guide for brilliant, overwhelmed women to quiet the noise, find their superpower, and finally feel satisfied. As Vanessa bridges spiritual concepts with business acumen, trust, and authority to help ambitious women find their unique path to success. And in this episode, we discuss the power in following your energetic breadcrumbs and creating work you love without having to follow the formula of today's hustle culture or feeling like you have to be part of the boys club and quieting the noise to discover your superpower, hearing your soul whisper and the soul solution along with creating a soul board, which I thought was an awesome concept. And we also talk about her writing process, her experience writing before, during, and after the completion of the book, which was fascinating for people that are interested in writing a book or who just like to write in general. There was also an amazing synchronicity in there that she's worked with someone special, one of Euromagic's favorite guests and most requested guests to have back on. So you'll hear that and I hope that you enjoy Vanessa's magic. Now on with the show. I'm sure you do. The rasp is one of my favorite boy styles, I must say. Anyway, Vanessa, I'm so thankful that you're joining us today, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear all the different golden nuggets that you have to offer, because there are a lot you have to offer. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. What is lighting you up most in the season of your life? Mm, ooh, I love this question. <laughs> what is lighting me up most? You know, I think... For so much of my life, I've been focused on like, what is the next goal? What is the next thing? And after attempting to practice a lot of the principles that I teach and speak about, I'm I'm barely just getting to a point where I can actually rest in the not knowing and in the no-thingness between Mm. things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I just finished a book that just came out and I'm feeling like there's, there's new things that are wanting to come through me but I don't know what they are yet. And I'm for the, maybe for the first time in my life, I'm kind of enjoying being in that liminal space of discovery and exploration. And the, you know, who know, like literally who knows what's next on some level. Um, And so I would say that and, and my kids, because I mean, they just light me up a lot of the time. (laughs) Of course, of course. And also I can't, I couldn't agree more. I think it's beautiful to just be open, live life. And then as you live life, something will come to you. You don't have to try to seek it. And I'd love to hear your story as well. Climbing the wrong ladder, as you would say, Uh, what led you to the teachings you share today with so many women? Yeah. Well, so I was, I've been driven my entire life. I'm a recovering perfectionist and went to an Ivy league school, graduated top of my class, I thought about joining the Peace Corps when I graduated from college, but I went into investment banking on Wall Street instead. <laughs> well, sort of same thing. Quite different. <laughs> different, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> very different. And I, I make that stark comparison because in some ways, I think I've, I've had these callings from my soul, from my deeper self for a long time, but I kept following the more traditional path, the more kind of proven, laid out path. So I, I went to work on Wall Street doing investment banking. And I would work these hundred plus hour weeks just working around the clock. 
when I finally did get out of work, I would feel so drained and exhausted. I would either, you know, go out, drink a little too much wine with my girlfriends, or maybe go out and watch really bad reality TV, which actually I still like to do sometimes. <laughs> Those were basically, you know, my only mechanisms for managing stress for many years. Yeah. I went on to work at this private equity firm doing these billion dollar leveraged buyouts, got my MBA from Stanford, thought about doing something entrepreneurial when I graduated, but again, kind of chickened out, took the safer route and went back into finance. I told myself, oh, well, you have some student loans. It would be more responsible to go back and be an investor and pay off your loans. But in hindsight, I think it was really fear that stopped me and not just fear of failure, but actually fear of the unknown, fear of you know, not if I wasn't following this prescribed route of success, like who, what would I do? And I actually had no idea. And so all of that felt too daunting. And I, I always knew I cared about women's leadership and, you know, empowering women. And I would volunteer on these boards and things like that, but nothing really felt like it could be my life's work in that way. So I went back into private equity and I told all my friends, oh, I'll stay at this job for one year. I stayed for three <laughs> then. Mm. And I got to this point in my career where I was, you know, financially doing really well, sitting on the board of a company I loved, on track to be a partner at this firm. But I remember looking at the partners and, and thinking, I don't really want to be a partner <laughs> at a private equity firm. Like I see where this path is going and I'm not that excited about it. And I felt like my whole life I had climbed this ladder, you know, as you mentioned, get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job, get a promotion, get into a good grad school. It was like I got to the top of the ladder, looked around and said, crap, I think this is the wrong ladder. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do with my one wild and precious life. And I started, as any overachiever will, uh, tapping into my network researching, talking to different healers and coaches and neuroscientists. I got really into mindfulness and meditation. I also at that time read a book called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss, which is all about past lives and reincarnation. And that book, it just blew my mind. I didn't even know I was interested in those topics, but something about it really spoke to me at a deep level. I ended up training with him in hypnosis and past life regression healing. And wow. Long story short, yeah, it was sort of like my overachiever went nuts in the personal development space for a couple of years. Yeah. And I ended up changing so much that I decided what I wanted to do was dedicate my life to bringing some of those tools to other people and particularly to women, women in the business world, and also, you know, moms. Um, so that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. That takes so much, not only courage, but awareness as well to realize, look, this is the one life, my one wild and precious life I'm living, as you say. And to the fact that you were climbing a, what you call now a wrong ladder, but you were climbing a ladder and you were about to be a owner of a private equity for, or part owner, right? Of a private equity firm, which a lot of people dream of, but not everyone. And your soul was telling you, no, there's something more for you. And you were listening to that and tuning in with that. The awareness that takes is wild because so many people feel like I need to, 
I need to, what, how am I going to make money? How am I going to support my children? How am I go like, like I, I, I want to make my family proud. And yet you are doing all the above, but in your own way, in a way that you felt called to. And also I need to say something as well. The book that you just mentioned, when you mentioned that book, Vanessa, chills came. I've never heard of this book, but I know that I, whenever I get chills, it's something I have to like remember and take a mental note of. So when I re, when I edit this, I'm going to remember what that book was called. What is it called? Because I I need to, I need to apparently read this according to my soul is telling me that I have to. I love that you noticed that. That's one of the things I talk about in my book called energetic breadcrumbs. You know, you get those goosebumps or you get just like a, you know, a feeling in your body of like, oh, I want to learn more about that. So you just got a big energetic breadcrumb. Uh, So the book is called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. Okay. And if you like that book, another one that I read after it (laughs) is called The Instruction by Ainsley McLeod, which I also really recommend. I love that book. I love Ainsley. Yes. He's so good. He's, but he's a, he's a frequent guest. He's amazing. Oh, good. He and I actually co-taught a program together many years ago in a retreat. Are you serious? Look at this parallel. Wow. Oh my gosh. I have crazy chills right now. And I love that energetic breadcrumbs, which you say that you talk about. So how can women follow their energetic breadcrumbs? What is this? Explain more. I'm so so curious. Yeah. So I love to try to distill some of these concepts down into really like actionable, simple tools for women, especially so many women today are busy and overwhelmed. So it's like, let's make this as easy as possible. And, you know, not everyone's going to quit their job and have some dramatic moment the way that I did. So how can you tune into your deeper truth and the whispers of your soul in small and simple ways throughout your daily life? Well, one of the best ways I found to do that is to pay attention to, to track and to follow what I call your energetic breadcrumbs. And those are those moments when you feel really alive and energized. It's almost like you have this inner spidey sense that it like turns on about something. And the thing about your energetic breadcrumbs is we often dismiss them as insignificant or as random or weird or nonsensical or non-strategic. And so we don't always honor them and pay attention to them. But the thing is, if you notice them and follow them, they always lead you to your most satisfying, joyful, fulfilling life. It's just that you don't necessarily know where they're going to lead you next. And so I think in our Western culture, it's so you know linear and masculine in the way that we pursue things. It's like A must lead to B and then C and then D. It's got to be logical and linear and rational. And when you follow your energetic breadcrumbs, that's not how it works. It's more of an emergent process, a process of unfolding and discovery. So A leads to F leads to K and then you go over to, you know, Z and you didn't think you'd go there that fast and you love it, but then you're off to G and you don't even know why, you know, and it's kind of this other way of, of living your life. Um, that's, you know, but if you keep following those breadcrumbs, they really do lead up to a cake, even though it doesn't always feel like it when you're in the moment. (laughs) When the people are following these energetic breadcrumbs, see, they're listening. I can feel like some people are listening to what everything you're saying right now and they are either in a place that you were or something similar where they're just in a job or career or in a position in life right now that they're not quite satisfied with yet for whatever reason they might feel that like they have to be they might feel entangled in this relationship with the business that they're in but and they want to let go they want to untangle this but they feel stuck and 
So what advice do you have for women who are, you know, trying to let go of perhaps maybe it's a toxic hustle culture or just the culture that they're in and continue on with their dreams, pursue whatever that energetic breadcrumb is leading them? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things and gosh, I'm still struggling with this one and I wish I had learned it sooner, but the more that you don't like where you're at and complain about it and focus on how much it sucks, which I've done a lot, Mm -hmm. the more you stay stuck and kind of, you know, hook in with it because your subconscious mind doesn't pay attention to whether you're saying yes or no to something. It just notices where your focus is and your energy is. So if you're going, no, I don't want this. No, I don't want this. No, I don't want this. You're actually attracting it to you again and again. And it was a great thing I like to think of with um, race car drivers on those oval shaped you know, loops. And they say when they're going really, really fast at the turn, the sharpest part of the turn, if they look at the corner, they will hit it. And so they need to look at like the straightaway in the next wall in order to not slam into the corner. <laughs> right. So I think of that. I use that metaphor sometimes for myself to be like, oh yeah, don't. And then it's hard because sometimes you're like, don't look at the corner. Don't look at the corner. <laughs> you're still looking at it. But anyway, my point is if you feel stuck and you know dissatisfied with your current circumstances, what, what I would recommend, and I'm still really learning how to do this myself, like I mentioned, is to find a few things you can appreciate about where you're at. So that you're not in so much resistance about where you're at. And then start to follow those energetic breadcrumbs in little baby steps. And don't put so much pressure on yourself to figure everything out immediately. But just try to set aside, you know, five or ten minutes a day to follow your impulses, follow your energetic breadcrumbs. So you can literally set a timer and have no agenda during that time and just follow whatever impulses emerge. So maybe you want to make yourself a cup of tea. And then while you're doing that, the cover of a book flashes across your mind and you go, Oh yeah, Yeah. that book, many lives, many masters. So you do. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you randomly want to go outside and do some gardening. So you do. And it just, whatever, 10 minutes an hour once a week, but 10 minutes a day is great. You want to just get into the habit of learning how to trust yourself again. Um, Because I think Underneath it all, when I peel back the layers of why women are coming to me for coaching and different different things, it's often because they're fundamentally asking, can I trust myself? And, you know, in a culture that has devalued feminine wisdom, intuition in favor of, as I mentioned, more rational linear logic and, you know, growing up within a patriarchal structure in a woman's body, it's just, there's a lot there to unpack around learning how to honor and trust ourselves. It's not, it's not crazy that we struggle with that, right? So (laughs) just naming and recognizing that. And then if you set aside these small increments of time to start following your impulses and trusting yourself, it actually gets easier and easier and you get momentum. Plus you're like, oh, oh, I want to research that online class. And then you take that class and then you meet someone in that class who who points you to your next breadcrumb. You have to take action on one to get the next and the next and the next. And they they build over time. Isn't that fascinating how when you follow these little nudges, these little impulses, and you give yourself permission and the green light to allow yourself to, because I know that that in and of itself can be hard for many people because they feel like they can't trust whatever their nudges are guiding them or wherever they're guiding them because they feel like they have to stick to some sort of routine that they've dedicated themselves to. It's a really hard, I understand, paradigm to step out of, but it's wild how beautiful it is when you do 
allow yourself, give yourself that permission to step out of it. How little the little breadcrumbs end up leading you to somewhere else. And you might have one dream, but then I've noticed that for a lot of people, their dream not only potentially comes true, but it also comes true in a greater way that they could have even fathomed, which is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And it's also helpful to notice how your ego, your rational mind will come in and it will dismiss the breadcrumbs and be like, well, that is silly or that doesn't make sense or you're never going to make money as an artist. So why would you even want to take a painting class? But the thing is, you know, we're not just following these breadcrumbs to get somewhere or to get something out of it or to turn it into a career. We are following them for moment to moment daily satisfaction. Like that is part of the point. And I think for many of us, we've lost sight of that where we, it's like, well, where is this all going? What is this leading to? <laughs> What's the point? You know, we want to know why we're doing it rather than also just enjoying it for the sake of its of its own unfolding. Um, and, you know, just a quick story, since you mentioned Ainsley McLeod. So when I was having my own awakening, I'd read this book, Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian Weiss. And then I went and um, he came to San Francisco where I lived. I bought a ticket. It was a ballroom with 200 people where he was going to like dim the lights and play this soft music and hypnotize all of us and take us all to past lives at the same time. And I remember thinking, gosh, if I lost my mind, what am I doing here? And yet some deeper, wiser part of me was, was like, no, we need to stay. This is important. And long story short, I had this very profound experience. And then I wanted to learn more and more about, you know, past lives and reincarnation. And so my executive coach at the time told me about Ainsley's book. And I had a session with him. Uh, and I was still working in finance, sitting in my like corner office with my headset on, having a call with this quote unquote reluctant psychic. <laughs> and, you know, in that call, he'll share if you do a session with him, your soul age, your soul type and your soul purpose. And he just said this line to me that I'll never forget where he said, Vanessa, your primary soul type is something called spiritualist and you'll never be happy in finance. And it was just one of those oh, moments. Chills. Yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've thought about that a lot because I think sometimes we already know our truth, but we kind of want someone outside of us to give us permission to acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. And yes. So, and you know, deep down when they say it, it's like when they say it, you're like, oh, yes. Yep. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that. Yes. I, that was like the validation I was longing for. And I, I couldn't yep. quite find it in myself right now. So thank you for that gift. And, and it's okay. You know, we can give each other those reflections. So long story. And he goes, you know, you're not even going to recognize yourself a year from now. You're about to have a massive spiritual awakening. And this was back in 2009. So all these, he, everything he said came true. And then fast forward a year later, I've quit my job. I'm running group coaching programs and retreats for women doing corporate team offsites, keynote speaking, all these things. And then I have this dream about partnering with Ainsley on a program. And I woke up from the dream so excited. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to his assistant. This is amazing. And by the afternoon, my ego mind, my rational mind had come in and talked me out of the idea. And said, you know, he's been on Oprah. He's famous. You're just getting started. You were a client of his. He probably doesn't even remember you. Like, why would he ever want to partner with you? You're a nobody. You know, all the things that that voice will say. And so I talked myself out of it. I didn't follow up. And then a couple nights later, I had the dream again and I said to myself, okay, I literally coach women in listening to their energetic breadcrumbs, their dreams, their signs and synchronicities and soul whispers. So I have to take my own advice. 
So I reached out to Ainsley's assistant saying, you know, I had this dream about us partnering together. And he wrote back right away and said, you know, I was just cleaning out my desk drawer and I found a note from over a year ago when we first spoke saying, we'll work with Vanessa Loader one day. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's wild. I know. And so then we ended up, you know, teaching this online course together and running a retreat together. And I just love him. And he's become a friend and a colleague. And But it was one of those things where you, you hear, you know, you get assigned to do something, but then your rational voice comes in and says, no, who do you think you are? I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add of course some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and of course a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara. And it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards. So no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E Medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake-free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. That voice really can be so intrusive and it does tend to make us become people that society created versus who we really are. How do you how do you shift this voice? Everybody, everybody, we're human. We all have the intrusive voice that comes in, the rational voice that comes in. How do you distinguish the two between your soul and your rational voice? Yes, and this is so much about what I write about in my book because it's been my own struggle and, and journey. Um, so there's lots of different tools and tactics I suggest. You know, what I found in my own life is in order to hear the soul, the soul often comes through as a very quiet whisper or a gentle nudge versus the ego is this loud, incessant voice in your mind that's there all the time. And so you have to learn how to quiet the ego first, usually in order for the whispers of the soul to come through, because otherwise it's just so loud in there with that ongoing tape that we can't even hear those little soul whispers and nudges. 
And so a lot of people practice mindfulness meditation, but for others, just going out into nature with a journal is a great way to start to tune into that wisdom. I have a whole practice in the book called Dialoguing with Nature, uh, which I can get to in a moment. That's a great way to start to tune to that voice. But when you also want to learn how to recognize the voice of the ego and make sure you don't just listen to its stories. And so one practice that's really easy that I love, I call source your beliefs. And what you'll do is you write out some major categories of your life. So for example, what it means to be a working woman or what it means to be a mother or a working mother or what it means to be successful. And then you just, we're gonna, you're gonna fill in the sentence, what my mom said about, for example, being a working woman, what my dad said about being a working woman, what society says about being a working woman. And you write out the beliefs and you might include um, you know, if there was a mentor or a teacher that who really influenced you or other figures in your life, maybe you have adoptive parents or whatever, you know, you just list out their beliefs about that particular category. And it's fascinating because once you write it down on paper, you might see how ludicrous some of the beliefs are. And when you really look at them on paper, you get to ask yourself, huh, how do I feel in my body when I hold this belief? And is this something that I want to intentionally cultivate and believe going forward? Or would I rather choose a new belief when it comes to this particular category of, say, being a working mom? And it's really important to just name the cultural messaging and, you know, the media and all the, the things we're bombarded with, the images that we're bombarded with. I remember once I was doing a, a team, um, a keynote speaking gig at Salesforce downtown in San Francisco. And I paused, I stopped at a cafe because I got there a little early right in downtown San Francisco. And it was called Working Girls Cafe. Okay. And outside they have a sign of a woman. So it's like a silhouette of a woman in heels, holding a cup of coffee, a steaming cup of coffee in one hand, a briefcase in the other hand, and she's running. <laughs> and I remember stopping in my tracks and just looking at that sign and going, this is everything that's wrong with our culture around being a working woman. Like, why is she running? with a cup of coffee in her hand, you know, if a man was running, you would assume a building was on fire. And also like, why is she holding a briefcase? Nobody even has those anymore. <laughs> Actually, as I unpack, I've never thought of this until right now, but that really represents like the older generation of men working. And I do think as a working woman, right. there's a lot of pressure that we're supposed to show up like men and we're supposed to act like yeah. men. And when I worked on Ugh. Wall Street, you know, I wore these boxy masculine suits and I cursed like a sailor and I acted extra tough because it was like, that's what I needed to do to succeed in the boys yeah. club. And so there's, uh -huh. you know, it's, there's a reason why she's carrying that briefcase because really we're being told if you want to succeed, you need to act like a man. Oof. Oof. And you say women have been so grateful to have a seat at the table. I feel like this is very re relevant to this and that we haven't questioned how the table is set. Mm. I mean, ooh, that table, I'm picturing the boys club. I'm picturing trying to fit into the patriarchy somehow so we can climb the ladder that we think that we're supposed to climb. Or let's say people aren't even trying to climb the corporate ladder, but they're doing things that they think is the formula to succeed in today's society. Yet... I mean, yes. how, how, how do we, what's the solution to shifting this mindset or, or what's the solution to this in general? Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite topic. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, because I really do feel like the world needs more women leaders mm -hmm. and we don't need more women leaders who are 
squeezing themselves into like a square peg that feels terrible to them. That we don't need more women leaders who are trying to pretend to be men who are burning out in the process because that's not really changing the paradigm in our culture in the world. And so I, you know, I feel like I was someone who tried to do it. To I tried to like beat the boys in the boys club, and I had some modicum of success in doing that. But then it felt really hollow and misaligned and unfulfilling. Mm. And then I left that world, and now I've been running my own business. And I love what you said about that too, because it's true. Outside of the corporate world, I've still struggled where it's like, oh, I should be, you know, I listen to all these internet marketers about how I should be marketing my business. There's so many shoulds placed on us that we can get really lost in that and do things in a way that, again, does not feel good or aligned to us. And so fundamentally, whatever environment you're in, whether it's corporate America, solo entrepreneur, running a diff- your own business, the, the solution, I think, really is about tapping into the wisdom of your soul, your deeper truth, and learning how to live and breathe and move in the world from that place. Because when you're in alignment with your core self, your authentic self, and you make choices that feel really good and that inspire you rather than forced motivation, it's a completely different way of living. Ooh, yes. I mean, and I think stories can be helpful to illustrate these things because it can sound esoteric, like listen to your soul. You know, and then people are like, what does that even mean when I'm trying to create a marketing strategy for my business? But for example, you know, when it's come to marketing my book, I've, and I've done things that didn't feel as good to me. And I've done things that felt really good and easy and aligned. So you're just, you're tuning into yourself because you are your own compass and only, you know, what feels good and right and true in your body and what feels off and constricting. And you know, the body really never lies in that sense. One of my mentors, Katie Hendricks, would talk a lot about what does a whole body yes feel like? How can you start to get familiar with your own signals of what a whole body yes feels like? And what does a whole body no feel like? Mm. And what does a whole body maybe feel like? Ooh, and-, and how can you start to listen to and trust that in terms of how you're making decisions with you know, how you work, how you run your business, how you schedule your daily life. You actually have me thinking now. I'm thinking because I, I feel like I'm fairly in tune with my body, with my yeses and my nos, but having to define that for me, it's like a, a now that you're saying this, it's so interesting. I'm thinking for myself because we're all experiencing our own yeses and nos within our body, right? Mm-hmm. For myself, I feel like it's just this deep inner knowing. I know a hell yes is when I get chills Mm -hmm. and then a hell no. I feel this repulse. I just, I, it's just this knowing this inner knowing, but I know that other people have other visceral reactions to something that is very uh, potent. How about you? What are your yes and no feelings? Yeah. Yeah. I do get the goosebumps on my arms for sure for certain Mm -hmm. things. And then I also, for a yes, I feel sometimes little champagne bubbles on the inside or a sense of expansion mm. and openness in my body. Yes. When it's a no, there's like a tightness, a constriction, sometimes in my throat or my chest or my belly, or sometimes my shoulders will feel kind of heavy. Yeah. The other interesting thing that I observed in myself is when I'm spinning my wheels on something trying to decide or like, you know, weighing the pros and the cons, or I'm, it's a real maybe and I can't figure it out. Almost always, maybe always, but so far, pretty much always for me, it's because it's a no and I'm scared to admit it. 
Yes. And that's been an interesting one to sit with because the, the reason why it's often hard to admit is sometimes it's something that in theory I want to say yes to, but the timing just isn't Ooh, right. Yeah. Or, you know, it's a no for now. So it's not a no forever, but it's a no for now. That's a helpful one. Yeah. So that's been one like lately I'm like, okay, if I'm spinning my wheels and it's a maybe, what if I just assume it's a no and just act from that place for now? And then, you know, it can, maybe it'll change to a yes in the future. Um, but I mentioned also sharing a story as an example about all of this. So one story is with the, I just had a book that came out and a dear friend was going to throw me a book launch, a big book launch event at her gorgeous, you know, mansion in San Francisco. And then she took a new job in politics. And with the election coming up, she really is at, has no capacity to throw a book launch. And I completely understood and so then I, I didn't, I didn't really have anything planned. And this social media team had asked me, well, what are you doing on, you know, the day your book comes out? And I, I was like, uh, nothing. And I got off the call with them and I, that voice in my head went nuts. Like, you're such a loser. You have no friends. Nobody wanted to throw you a book launch party. And then I also criticized like myself, my businesswoman self was like, well, you're not being a good, you know, entrepreneur because this is an important event to launch your book and you should be organizing something. All the voices. Right. And then I went into a big like shame spiral and I went into like a fair amount of self-pity and martyrdom and woe is me, <laughs> you know, with, like, like a side dose of self-criticism. But then I got curious and I thought, wait a minute, do I even want a big book launch party? Because every time I would imagine it in my mind's eye, it just felt hollow and off to me. And I would sort of imagine myself as like the author walking around. and It just felt weird. And then, of course, the mind came in and was like, well, maybe you don't want the limelight and you should push yourself and you're not, you know, you're not stretching yourself. Da, da, da. I just What I did is I sat with the question, well, what is it that I really want? Because I realized the book launch was feeling like a should, like that's what I should do as an author. So I said, well, what do I really want? And I was talking to a dear soul sister of mine and came up with this idea of, oh, you know what I really want? is a book blessing ceremony, similar to what Native Americans do when a baby arrives, but for the book. Oh, chills and again. Chills again. I'm getting full chills on my arms right now. <laughs> and we just did it, you know, like a week ago. And so all of these wonderful soul sisters of mine came together, some dear friends and clients, my husband, my 10-year-old daughter was there with her little friend. Oh. One of my soul sisters brought her crystal sound bowls. My editor, who I'd never met in person, came and she ended up crying and having this very profound experience. And we just sat in a circle in my backyard under the redwood trees and did this beautiful book blessing ceremony where we all put intentions on the book and what we want for it, especially what I want for it as it goes out into the world. And it was this, I mean, it was actually the most joyful and expansive celebration of a professional accomplishment that I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> like wow. it was so wow. Um, but it came from this place of, okay, the book launch thing feels off. It feels hollow. It fell through. It feels wrong. Like naming that truth and then asking, well, what is it that I really want? You know, and taking the time to sit in the discomfort of all of that, to feel into what, what feels more aligned for me? Because this idea of a book launch is like what I should do, but what does my heart really want to do? And I ended up having something so magical, you know, and, and the thing is when you follow your soul and your heart, 
you get so much more than what you even thought you wanted. For example, like my daughter and her best friend came and I got this video of my, my, my girlfriend, my soul sister, teaching them how to do the crystal singing bowls. Cute. Oh, I love that. Beautiful, precious moment, you know, that I never could have predicted. And my, both my daughter and my husband got to hear all these people appreciating me in the book and the work I put into it. And it was just this like truly, truly magical thing, you know, but I had to, I had to look at my own patterning of like going into martyrdom and self-pity and criticism and what was, I had to go through all of that, you know, and come out the other side with some curiosity of well, what do I want? And I, I think that that question is so important for women to ask ourselves daily like what, hmm, what do I, what do I really want in this situation? Not what should I do? Not what does society tell me I should do? Not what do the experts tell me? What do I want? And standing in that, that truth, that is where our power lies. And that is also where our greatest joy and fulfillment and satisfaction lies. I completely agree. I was thinking about this recently, how I don't think that. I know that a lot of people talk about discovering your purpose, which I do feel like we can come across that, right? But I feel like, to be honest, we choose our purpose. We know what lights us, so we go after that. And we can choose whatever our potential purpose may be, you know? And we can have many different purposes, but we can choose which one to go for. And yes. I feel something about that just feels so right for me. I know that my future endeavors in life are something that people might roll their eyes at, but I felt like I got to do this for me so that when I'm on my deathbed, I don't regret not at least pursuing it, you know? So I think it's beautiful, everything you're saying. And also you help people I know create the life they desire in a sense, or perhaps choose their path through uh, what you call a soul board, which I think is so interesting. What is a soul board? Am I even getting that right? What is a soul board? (laughs) Yeah. So it is a lot like a vision board, but it's a little bit different because so vision boards, when you cut out images and pictures of things that represent your goals, like your ideal house or car with a soul board, it's similar in the sense that if you do it a 3d version, which I recommend not doing it electronically on Pinterest, but doing it in physical form with like a poster board and magazines. The thing about the soul is it doesn't speak in words or language. It speaks in images, in symbols, nonverbal cues and longings, feelings and serendipities. And so a soul board, you're going to set a clear intention and then you're going to look through the magazines and you're actually going to cut out the images that speak to your soul and you don't even know why. So maybe you get an energetic breadcrumb when you look at a certain picture. And if you want, you can still cut out some that are more, you know, literally linked to goals. But the point is to, to tune into how you feel when you're looking at the images and to allow your soul to guide you. And, you know, for example, I had a woman years ago, a lawyer, very, you know, kind of rational thinker who said, Vanessa, I didn't really understand how this whole soul board thing was going to help me. And then I was looking at this discarded art calendar and cut out a picture of like an abstract farmhouse. And all of a sudden I just knew I have to put an offer on that house. (laughs) You know, so it's this. And for me, like years ago, I remember when I did one soul board, there was this one image of these gosh, I don't know if they were um, like monkeys or baboons, what they were, but they were, there was like four or five of them in a hot spring, what? relaxing, <laughs> I swear. And they had like 
they had like ice crystals in their little bearded faces and they had like steam coming off their, like steam coming off their heads and they were all like tilting their little heads back in pure relaxation <laughs> it was the most hilarious and beautiful image and it just it spoke to my soul and i cut that out and then a few months later i you was got to hang out with monkeys no <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool that's still coming yes but i was i was I was um, offering my first 30 day meditation challenge for busy women. That's just five minutes a day. And I was hoping for a hundred women in it. And we ended up with over a thousand. And now since then, like 20,000 people have done it. But when I, that picture of the monkeys in the hot springs, I know it sounds weird, but it was the image that represented this meditation challenge and bringing the mindfulness to a bigger audience and like just playfulness and relaxation. And so, you know, we don't always have, like a rational connection between what these images represent when we first choose them. But your soul has this knowing and this wisdom. And you know, often in hindsight, the images will make more sense. The other thing about the soul board that I recommend is once you, you, you know, cut out all the pictures and you paste them onto a, a poster board is to dance in front of it and play music that really lights you up. That's very like high vibration and get in a very high vibe state with a song you love and dance in front of it while you look at all the images. And when I do that, I get the, the full goosebumps up and down my arms. And I know that I'm really calling in some good stuff. Ooh, I love this. I love, love, love this. So your book is called Soul Solution, right? Yes. What is the soul solution? I'm curious, how do we access this space? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is such a good question. And, you know, the soul solution, it really is this concept of learning how to listen to and trust your deeper knowing and that inner voice that we've been talking about this whole time. Um, so it's, it's really the answer for women who want to have it all, but they're tired of how society has defined what all really is. Ooh, okay. Well, this is exactly what we've been talking about. It's been the theme of the podcast. And one of your greatest messages that, that I'm taking away from this is to listen to the soul, turn off the noise, the societal paradigm, what the patriarchy is telling you to do, and listen to whatever your soul, where your soul is not you and perhaps even discover that through exploring images as you browse magazines and browse old books, old calendars, whatever it is, and then see perhaps what your soul might guide you to. It's kind of like tarot. When you do tarot, you just are pulling the card, right? You're trusting mm, the card. Yes. To pull. I feel like when you go and you decide to step into listening to your soul through well, there's meditation, but also through creating a soul board, which I just love this. I feel like my soul will guide me to the magazines that, or the, or the calendars that I need to look at. <laughs> yes, totally. I agree. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, I think this might be true for a lot of people, but often images of nature or animals seem like they really yes. work well in the soul boards. <laughs> I believe that. I have a lot of writers that listen to this podcast, Your Own Magic, to help unleash their own magic, of course, through writing and also artists. And so people love to learn when I have an author on, they want to hear about the author's writing process or the experience of writing the book for them. So the before and during, and then we'll get to after as well. Um, I'm curious how the process was for you. Yeah, this is a, a really great question. And for anyone who wants to write transformational nonfiction, which is basically a fancy word of saying self-help, I highly <laughs> recommend um, Kelly Notaris's book, 
the, which is called the book you were born to write. And I can send you a link for that. Or you can put it in the show notes. Um, but I found that book very helpful in terms of how to think about a book proposal and the outline and all of those things and some tips on how to schedule your writing ahead of time for each week that I really followed. So I would block off my calendar in advance, like which days and which hours am I going to write, you know, every, every day that week. And that really helped me. I would also always write usually from nine to 11 in the morning, the whole six months I was writing the book, just block that time off because for most people, your willpower is the strongest in the morning. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, have any business calls during that time. But at a higher level, so that's some practical things. Um, at a higher level for me, you know, I started my own business almost 10 years ago and I always knew I wanted to write a book, but I didn't want to start writing the book just from a place of ego of, oh, let me write a book to grow my list and, you know, have it. Duh, duh, duh. I wanted to feel called to write the book. And so I waited until the, until I felt called. And for me, it was through a dream um, a little over, gosh, three, over three years ago now, I had this very vivid dream of a book cover. It was what bright white with this Egyptian goddess head on the front with the like gold and black. I don't know. It's not, what is that called? It's not a crown, but the thing around their head, you know, it's like gold and black bar. The TR, no, not tiara. I, don't know, what, I know you're talking you about. I would have looked that up by now because I describe it a lot. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and at the time I had never heard of the goddess Isis, but Fast forward a few months later, working with my spiritual teacher, and she was like, oh, Isis wants to help you write your book. <laughs> and I was like, oh, weird. Whoa. I had this dream about this Egyptian you know, goddess head. Um, and I ended up feeling called, like a soul whisperer, to go to Kauai by myself for a few days to meditate on the, the book and the idea of it. And that was really a, like a stretch to give myself that time because I had two small kids. We ended up, So I ended up going early and then meeting my family um, island of Maui. And while I was there, um, I actually was on a hike and I was like, just feeling so good, so happy, so alive. You know, one of those moments at the top of this peak. And I started skipping down the trail singing, I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm a New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> and I swear to God, I know in my bones that this whole process for me of writing the book, getting an agent, finding a publisher, uh, honestly was one of the easiest professional thing experiences that I've ever had. There was not the usual amount of struggle. And I personally believe it's because I, I planted the seed of the book on that trip in Kauai when I was singing and skipping down the mountain. And at a vibrational level, I set the tone for the whole project. And I didn't, I didn't even know that that's why I was going to Kauai. But when I came back from the trip, it wasn't until maybe a year later that I realized, oh, that's why I did that trip was for that one moment. And yeah, because, and so then it was just this ongoing process and look, life happens. Like I started to work the book, the book proposal and then my mom passed away and then I, you know, I shelved it because I was grieving for many months and picked it back up. And then I got an agent, um, you know, with a fair amount of ease. And so it is not that there weren't stops and starts. There certainly were, but the project felt very aligned energetically from the beginning. And I think that that's important to tune into that because if you, if you're starting from a place of suffering and pain, it's not going to be as joyful of an experience and maybe the end result will be just as good. I don't know, but wouldn't you rather enjoy it? Um, so, and I also like studying other creatives like, you know, Liz Gilbert with her book, Big Magic. I really love that book. 
you know, creatives who are out there with this message of you don't have to be a starving artist and you don't have to be in pain and suffering to produce great works of art. So I personally like to listen to those kinds of people. <laughs> um, and so that, that's been my process throughout. Yeah. And I could, if there's more questions you want about before, during, or after, I'm happy to answer those, but that's the piece that I think I can offer readers that or listeners that might be a little more unique than what other authors share. I love the message that you just shared. It felt very expansive. It's felt like when you read Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert, you feel you feel expanded reading it in her approach to creativity. You feel like, oh, I can do that. And so listening to you and hearing your story about this, that felt like an expansive experience for myself, at least I'm assuming the listeners as well. So thank you for that. Yeah. And And I guess the only other thing I'll say, having written and now sharing it out in the world is it's not even about, you know, whether you get a bestseller or not, or how it does, or whether you get traditional publishing or self-publishing. Really, I think we're all doing it um, because of who we become in the process of making that art. Yeah. It's like you become a more expanded version of you as a result of having made that thing. And that is really what it's about. And it's so easy because the ego is so strong to get caught up in, well, did I sell enough books? I mean, I have to tell you, it's been really ironic, like laughing at myself because here I am launching this book about listening to your soul rather than your ego. And I've certainly had moments where I'm like, but I didn't sell enough books. (laughs) I go into fear and then I'm emailing a bunch of people (laughs) trying to make things happen. So it's okay. We're all just little bunnies doing our best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you wrote a book about listening to your soul, but at the same time, I mean, you're a human, you're human. Of course, your human's going to kick in. And so I think it's so everybody, mine as well, everybody, everybody's is always going to, everyone's going to have moments. You're going to have moments, but then you're going to have the tools that when you feel ready, you'll be able to step out of those moments. Yes. Yeah. And to everyone listening who wants to bring some creative project into the world, I just want to say you can do it. I'm sending you virtual love and energy and encouragement right now. You've got this. Just take one little baby step, you know, make it a priority. I mean, I had times where I was getting up at 6 a.m. to write for an hour before my kids would wake up. And there was there is something about like when you care enough about something to really prioritize it, it can feel deeply satisfying. Because you're just, you're following through on a commitment and you know you want this I mean, thing. forget about the book sales. Don't you feel so good that you have a book out there? <laughs> Doesn't that feel amazing? I do. I do. And I will just share as a recovering perfectionist that I certainly have my moments where I'm like, but did I, is it really that good? And did I put every, the most important tools in it? And, you know, so that the voice is always there. And I think with a book, it's a moment in time. And so it is like, well, did I say all the right things and all the best things? And and it feels amazing. And, and the voice is still there. <laughs> and the voice is still going to be there. I mean, like I said, we're human. We're human. We can't help it. <laughs> but at least you have the tools and you even wrote the tools to help yourself and others. One thing about writing, I feel like a lot of people write about what they needed the most help with and they still need help with. Yes. Oh, totally. I agree. I mean, they say you teach what you most need to learn. And that is certainly true for me. Everything that I write about in this book is like what I most want to learn and master. Exactly. I'm so curious. I'm always curious about this with writers, how the feeling afterward, after you just completed writing that last sentence, you sent it into the publisher, you're done. Mm. How was that feeling, that experience for you? Mm. 
you know, it was, it was good. I think there was before it, the interesting thing was right before it, I was kind of putting some pressure on myself of like, well, how do you end a book? That was like, that was, that was the, the scratchy part, you know, like what, what is the most important, best thing that I want to say at the end of this? And one of my early readers, who's a client of mine, oh, this is another thing I recommend to writers out there. Um, I read a book by a guy who was more in product development, talked about, think of your book like a prototype and get a lot of early readers early on and send them your manuscript. Like, and when they, in a Google doc where they can leave and give them very specific instructions on how to leave feedback, like which parts, you know, were really clear and what was a little bit confusing to them, things like that. Um, so I had all these early readers and one of my early readers said, well, why don't you end the book with a pep talk? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I'm really good at that. <laughs> but I was trying to end with a pep talk and I just wasn't feeling it. And so then one morning I got up, I just woke up naturally at like 4 a.m. And I went into my office where I have an altar and like a sacred space where I meditate and I lit some candles and I got really still and quiet. I was like, well, how do I end this book? I need the pep talk. And all of a sudden I've got this message that was, you know, the candles, it was so pitch black outside my office windows and in the office. And I hadn't turned the lights on. I just had the candles. And so the candles looked so bright in this velvety darkness. And I got this message that was, it's the same with listening to your soul. So just the way that these, your soul is like a candle that's always lit. And these candles you have lit right now during the daylight, you wouldn't see them as well as you can when it's pitch black in this velvety darkness. It's the same with your soul. Think of your soul like a candle that's always there, always lit, always whispering to you. But in our day-to-day -day life with the constant chatter of the mind and all the things we have going on, we don't, we don't hear it as much. And that's why you need quiet and stillness and time alone, because then the voice of the soul burns brighter, just like these candles do in this velvety darkness. And so that was like the ending message of the book. And what they told me was to tell, and then they said, tell the women to do what you just did <laughs> to get still and quiet. <laughs> and then, and tell them. That's perfect. Yeah, and it was like, and tell them you are your own pep talk. <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the way, for the ending of the book. <laughs> but... Just tell and then, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then typical overachiever, I still put a pep talk in after that. <laughs> of like, course, oh, of course. Let me just do throw everything but the kitchen sink um that, <laughs> no. but anyway so that was like the really interesting pieces I kind of had a hard time ending it for a couple weeks and then that happened and then I ended it and then it felt really really good and really joyful and um the manuscript was done but I had also when I was in Kauai meditating before I wrote the book at like 2 a.m meditating one night on a cliff overlooking the ocean I got this message that I would be given these symbols that I should put in the book one symbol on each chapter and that the symbols would be ancient symbols and that they would change the vibrational nature of the book, um, change it on an energetic level. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of had Googled like Greek alphabets and ancient symbols over the year that I was writing the book. And I never found anything that really resonated. And then the week that I was supposed to turn the manuscript into my editor I got this book in the mail called the Mayan Oracle and it has these ancient Mayan symbols. And I saw the symbol on the cover and got total goosebumps on my arms and this little voice in my head whispered, those are your symbols. And so um, it was crazy. And within an hour I was talking to the artist who had made the original symbols and she gave us permission to recreate them. 
And so for me, I turned in the written manuscript, but then it started this whole journey around these symbols and redrawing them and looking for their meanings and, you know, matching one for each chapter. And that was just like a really fun, creative, visual part of the book that I went into next. Oh, that is so special. That is so cool. I can hear your passion in it too, as if you're still experiencing it, which is so beautiful to hear. Yeah. And one of the symbols I even was like drawing on the inside of my wrist, like a tattoo while I was writing. So are you going to get a tattoo? (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know. No plans currently, but I joke in the book that if people want to get a tattoo of one of the symbols, they could just tell everyone their soul made them do it. <laughs> <laughs> their soul made them do that. That's brilliant. So do you have time for a quick rapid fire? Sure. Let's do it. Amazing. Let's do it. Okay. So Vanessa, coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite form of body movement? Oh, yoga. Yes. Where is your happy place? Mm, redwood trees and with my kids. I love that you say that. I was just there for the first time for my cousin's wedding. So beautiful there. I was just there a week or two ago. So around the time you had your blessings party, which is is pretty synchronistic. Yeah. (laughs) Animal you connect with most, if any. Oh, I mean, so many. But for my business, (laughs) as a symbol, hummingbird. In as a as in my life, uh, cats. Oh, I love that. Uh, Do you have a morning routine? I do, and but I change it up so that I don't get bored or, you know, yeah, bored with it. I feel that. Yeah. Um, but lately I've been actually really enjoying, well, I meditate and I call on this blue council that I work with this council of light beings, but I've also been really enjoying Steve Noble's meditations on insight timer. Oh, me. I love insight timer. I noticed you have one too, right? Yes. I have a lot of meditations and courses on insight timer. Well, there you go. I love that app. And this is the last question that I ask all your magic guests. How would you advise your own magic listeners to create their own magic? Mm, To create your own magic. I would say, you know, just following your energetic breadcrumbs and listening to the whispers of your soul. And also I love seeding my subconscious mind with a question in the morning that then your subconscious is trying to answer all day long. So if you want more magic, you could just say in the morning, I have a meditation that does this on insight timer. I surrender, allow, and trust my magic to come in me as me and through me today. And then you could seed the question, hmm, how can I invite in Oof. even more magic in my life today? I love that. Planting seeds for your subconscious, seeding your subconscious mind every morning. Um, I'm going to check out that meditation. Yeah, please do. It's called the sat get it, surrender, allow, and trust. Did I sit today? Oh, I sat today. (laughs) The sat, surrender, allow, and trust meditation. I have it on my website, also on Insight Timer. Perfect. Oh, and I should mention, because if people buy the book through my website, they get that sat meditation and a bunch of other bonus meditations um, for free. Okay, well, I'm going to make sure to link the book, your website, and also where can everyone connect with you? Yeah, so through vanessaloder.com, my website, L-O-D-E-R. Um, we have lots of, we'll be launching a new membership program and course related to the book, The Soul Solution. So that's the best place to stay up to date with everything that's going on. Amazing. Vanessa, this is a conversation. I feel so connected to it. There's so many things that I needed to hear. And so you have to come back on again sometime because this was, you're somebody that I feel like so connected to with everything you're saying. I was like, yes, yes, yes. She gets it. She's a queen. Yeah, I feel the same about you. And I would love to come back on sometime. It's, thank you so much for having me. I feel really aligned and connected to you. And it's just such a joy to meet other, you know, like-minded souls. I agree. Oh, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
yummies, it is time for the outro. Thank you so much for tuning into the Your Own Magic Podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already to be notified when a new episode is alive. And if you have a spare moment and you feel the nudge to, it would mean the world if you left a five-star rating and review. And I'm looking forward to reading whatever your heart has to say. And feel free to say hi as well and connect with the community by visiting the Your Own Magic Facebook group linked in the show notes. And if you have any future topic ideas or a question that comes to heart you'd like me to cover, then I'd love, love, love to hear from you in our topic box on the Your Own Magic website at yourownmagicpodcast.com. And there you'll also find a membership portal leading to guided meditations by me and some journaling prompts some spiritual or creative tools, and more. And of course, feel free to stop by the new online shop for artisan jewels, trinkets, and more at eyesofaspen.com. And with that said, have a magical rest of your day. Send in my love, Jai Mata.